Hello, and welcome to episode 131 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. A warm welcome to Natalie Kay to the Modern Manager community. I am excited to share that I am hosting a special holiday sale. So when you become a member at any level, you get one month of membership to give to the person of your choosing. This could be your boss, a team member that you want to grow, a friend or family member, whoever you would like to help develop their manager skills. This special is available until December 31st, 2020. So even though you have some time, don't procrastinate. Head to themodernmanager.com join and sign yourself up like Natalie to get access to dozens of guest bonuses and episode guides and maybe even group or one-on-one coaching if that's right for you. And when you do, you get that one month of free membership at the same level that you join at to give to the person of your choosing. So happy holidays from me to you. Now, today's guest is Chris Prefontaine. Chris is the founder of Smart Real Estate Coach, host of the Smart Real Estate Coach podcast, and best-selling author of 2017's Real Estate on Your Terms, and this year's The New Rules of Real Estate Investing. He operates his family business with his son, Nick, his daughter, Kayla, his son-in-law, Zach, and an amazing team. Chris and I talk about the complexities of working with family or close friends, how to create a culture that feels like family at work, what to consider if you are thinking of starting a business or hiring a friend or family member, and more. This was a particularly fun episode for me because, as you'll hear, I am also part of a family business. And given that last week's interview with Dave Schramm was about the connection between family and workplace culture, it seemed appropriate that this conversation should follow that one. So here's the conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Thank you so much for joining me today, Chris. I have to start because I was reflecting on this conversation and preparing for it, and I realized that my whole life I have been surrounded by people and family businesses. My grandfather started our family business, and my father joined him. Now my sister is there, and I do some work with that business. My husband's parents started a business and they worked together for three decades. My brother started a business and his wife ran a whole department there for a number of years. And so it's just family business galore in my life. Oh, that's neat. I actually, so I grew up in a family business too, but not, not real estate. So we can, we can chat about that, but that's interesting. Oh, well, why don't we start there with what is your family business story? And you can start with that business and then kind of what led you into your current business? Sure. So even back, uh, gosh, I mean, 10 years old. I, I, so I grew up in a welding supply and industrial gas business. My grandfather started it, then my father took it over and scaled it. And then when he sold in 91, that's about when I was starting in real estate. And so I didn't grow up in real estate, but he would build his own buildings and then he would lease them back to his company, which as a young kid, I didn't get like, you're the same person. How's that work? So I figured that out and that got me the uh, real estate itch. Uh, so just Started from afar and then got into it a little bit later, but never had that experience growing up, just family companies. So as you observed your dad and your grandfather working uh, side by side, I assume, or in some capacity together, was that something that you kind of aspired to or kind of was like, oh, I never, I never want to work with family? Kind of what, what impression did it leave you with? 
No, it's all positive. Actually, I, I didn't. I can't remember saying, "Yeah, I aspire to that." But I definitely thought it was cool and hope to someday. But you know, at that age, you don't. I, I, I didn't anyway think of those things. I was there from say age ten to age whatever it was, twenty twenties. You know, twenty four, twenty five. All right. So then you started your real estate business, which is what you do now. And how did that evolve into being a family business of your own? Actually, so uh, post two thousand eight. We had the lovely real estate, I call it the real estate debacle, the real estate crash. And so that caused us to re-engineer the business entirely, how we buy and sell. When I did that, my son was just getting his license as a realtor. So we shared an office, even though he was doing his thing, I was doing my thing. And then eventually he started working for me by 2014 part-time. And then by 2015, my daughter, Kayla, and son-in-law, Zach, were in the, uh, we're in a kind of a tourist area in Newport, Rhode Island. So there's a lot of opportunity and cash in the bartending and hospitality. So they were in that business and he was also a personal trainer. So nothing to do with real estate other than my daughter growing up in it. So they joined me at the end of 15. And then just organically, the position started kind of coming together. Everybody says, well, how do you, how'd you engineer all that? Like, how'd you put everybody, did everybody pick it? No, it just kind of organically went where people went with their strengths and, and the company started building out. So it all started with Nick in 14 and then Caleb and Zach in 15. It's so amazing that it worked out organically. Cause I feel like for most of us who think about working with family, it's like, Oh, like, Oh my gosh. Like, you know, how are we going to decide who does what we hear all these terrible stories about co-founders of companies that come together and end up like hating each other or tearing each other apart or tearing the company apart because they can't find their right roles. So were there things about your relationships or the way that you were thinking about working with your kids that kind of set you down a path that didn't seem so scary that was like, yeah, you know, we'll just see where this goes. You know what it was? They came in, uh, Nick, when Nick started, it was all sort of per deal is the best way of saying it. So there was no like free lunch. There was no salary. There was no, there was none of that. It was all incentive only because when I started back after the crash, there was no way to fund and, and and you had to grow it organically. You had to bootstrap it. So when Nick came on, it was, okay, you're going to get this percentage of the deals. And then when Kayla and Zach approached me and said, look, is there anything available? I wasn't thinking of bringing it that direction at all. I've always been a solopreneur pretty much. And so I said, yeah, there's no guarantee. I don't know how it's going to go, but let's start doing it. And as we produce, we'll all win. And, and that's how we, we've been rolling it quite frankly, ever since that there's no, there's still to this day, all based on production. Wow. That's a super interesting approach of not starting off on like, it's all going to be great. And we're just going to like, I'll, I'll pay you and you'll do this job. But actually it sounds like creating a real sense of ownership from the beginning and maybe like a sense of experimentation. Am I picking up on those things correctly? Yeah, you are. A sense of ownership is accurate too, because it's, it's, it's directly and indirectly. So over the years, as they proved themselves, we have done some things with ownership, but it wasn't like a carrot that said, okay, if you do this, you're going to get this. We just all went at it, you know, headstrong at it and head down and, and worked it out. So it grew from just, just one person to one and a half to two and a half. I think we've got about 11 or so people now, plus VAs and virtual assistants around the country. So as you brought on other team members, was there any moments where it was awkward or kind of uncomfortable or maybe just strange that half your team was your family and now you had other people who weren't? You know, I don't know what was in their head, honestly, right? But I, I can tell you a couple of things we did. One was 
we treat it special like you're coming into the family, like you, you treat it as family. We actually treat our community as family too, our clients. But but as far as the employees, we definitely do treat them as family. We call them family. On our podcast, we run what we call family casts. We have them on so they so the community can meet them. So it was always that sense of family. But to take it one level further, we do connect with a company that has taught us scaling and culture and hiring and firing. But it, it, that all revolves around one central mission and set of values. So it makes it a lot more smoothly operated when you say, here are the four or five values. Here is how decisions are made, not this is a filmy thing. And this is how the decisions are made over in here because it's biased. It's There's a set of values. If you fit with the values, you're coming into the company. If you don't, you probably won't be hired. And once you're in the company, all the decisions are based on those values. It's not, it's not a personality thing. Hmm. That makes a lot of sense. And that's such good practical advice for all managers, right? Like when we're hiring to not have it be about you or the star player or, you know, anything else, but to say, this is about our values and about our goals. And we make decisions in alignment that with that, regardless of how long you've been here or, you know, what your rank is. Uh, so I really like that. Yeah. Sort of higher and fire to the mission. I, I years ago, as again, as a solo person, never even knew how that worked. Couldn't imagine doing that. Like if someone could do the job, they were hired. Well, it's not the case. So they could do the job. They could be amazingly talented, but if they don't fit the culture, uh, the mission, the values, then they're not a hire. So I imagine it hasn't all been smooth sailing. So have there been challenging moments or things that are particularly difficult when it comes to working with family so closely? Um, the only thing you have to just keep in mind is separating it. I remember, uh, it wasn't too long ago, a couple of years ago where we were all within a block of each other, literally living. So we would come home at night and my son would yell across the driveway. Now we just left each other two blocks away at the office and we came home, pulled in the driveway and say, how was your day? Yell across the driveway. So we, we keep it totally separate and we laugh about it. And then when we're together, we would make sure if, if something is brought up, it's positive. You don't bring the challenges in the, in the, in the headaches home. You just don't. And if someone does, they usually get shut down. First off, I freaking love, love, love the way you just talked about your son yelling across the driveway. And my dad's vision is that we will all live on a compound. And so we also have a house two doors down from my parents. And, oh, that's awesome. you know, it's just like, it's my dad's dream that all of his children will work in the business with him and we will all live in, this, in the same house if we could. So I just, I love that there's something really special about being able to work with family and also live so close and, and to keep those relationships so strong, despite whatever else is going on. I agree. I mean, not everybody does, but I definitely agree. And that's how we've been. That's how we've operated. So you talked about kind of like separating out and like keeping family time for family and keeping, you know, work issues at work. You know, how do you process just on a personal level when there are work things that you want to talk about? I mean, my dad used to come home and we would all talk business around the table. Even when I was a kid, he'd bring home products for us to look at. And the business was always very much a part of our life. So is that something that is, is part of your life too? Or do you really kind of try and separate those things out? No, we do separate, especially when everyone's there, when the guys are there, you know, it's, when it's myself, let's say, and Zach and Nick, you know, we'll, if we're especially off on a corner on our own, we may brainstorm and talk about things, but we try not to when everyone's there. It's just not, you know, it gets old. People don't want to hear that over and over and over and over again, even though we're super passionate about it. So, and then again, what I said earlier, if it's, if it's anything challenging or negative, we definitely leave it at the, at the office. 
Yeah. And I can imagine right now too, with everybody working from home with COVID that there are a lot of couples who are probably talking about work, you know, more at home than they might usually. And creating that sense of separation is, is really challenging when you don't have your colleagues to, you know, walk over to their door and just, you know, vent with them. It's a lot easier to kind of vent to your partner who's actually at home with you. And that's not always healthy. Yeah, I mean, I we've always worked. So going all the way back to 91, my wife and I have always been in some shape, form or fashion in real estate and always brainstorming and working on that together. So for us, it wasn't a big, big change. But yes, we did take the team virtual back on April 1st. And that was the same time we were running our first virtual event by, you know, by by default, we had to. So if you told me prior to COVID, hey, the whole team's going to be virtual and everything's going to be great. I'd say, no, that's crazy. My business manager actually came to me like in February in tune with what was going on and said, you know, you might want to be thinking about what it might look like if you were virtual. And I'm like, oh, okay, thanks for the heads up, but I didn't think it was going to happen. And so now fast forward, the entire team is virtual. We've actually hired great talent because of it, because we're not tied to geography and we've more than tripled the amount of deals we do because of COVID. So knock on wood, it's been phenomenal for us and the, the company loves, the individuals love being virtual. What have you done to help maintain that culture and that kind of sense of family Mm. that you talked about earlier while you're working virtually? Yeah, it's huge. So uh, we went to, instead of just meeting weekly, which we still do, we do it virtually, we went to morning powwows. Uh, It's by far one of the best things we did. It cuts down on communication, on extra Slack messages, which is how we communicate or email. And so every morning at 8.30, we tried to encompass all the time zones. We've got Colorado, we've got Illinois, even though we're in New England. So 8.30 in the morning, Eastern time, we're on and we're on just for 10 to 18 minutes. There's nine of us. And so just in that short time, we get done. What were the top three needle movers for yesterday? What are the top three for today? And do we need any help from anyone? And then at the end, we'll stick around for five minutes if there's any updates or questions we have of each other, you know, one or two people. And then we're off and running, but it, it, it does set up a quite an efficient day. It sets up accountability. By the time the weekly meeting comes along, Everybody kind of knows everybody did, and it's much more productive. And then what we did is to keep the culture. We just started this about two months ago. My coach got, got me on this train, and that was we have the values I told you earlier. Uh, we have behaviors attached to those values. So when we're hiring and firing, we know what those behaviors should look like. So now instead of just saying them and having them, uh, we pick uh, one value per week, and then we all memorize the behaviors, and then we recognize and call it out when we see it in the team. So it's pretty cool to keep it front and center. Oh, that's so beautiful. Can you give us an example of a value, one of the behaviors and like how you call people out? Is it just at your team meeting? Do you like send people Slack messages when you notice it? Is it in, in public and in private and you know, everywhere? Yeah, good question. So uh, everywhere is the answer. So uh, I'll give you an example. Last week, it was team over me. That's one of our five values. So team over me would be making decisions based on the company mission versus personal it would be not getting defensive or in the critical mode if someone's you know chatting with you about a, a overall plan. And so if as we worked last week, we if we saw someone doing something like we had someone go out because his wife had a baby. So all the team members had to step up. They didn't have to, that we didn't tell them until they did. So in the, in the morning power, we said, hey, I just want to shout out to so-and-so. You know, they had to tackle this project, they didn't have to, or hey, I want to shout to so-and-so. They were working Saturday, they didn't have to. So we call it out as we see it. And then if it's during the week and it's during the midday, we might put it on Slack in the team channel. Oh, so nice. And congratulations to whoever it is that just had a baby. That's very exciting. (laughs) All right. So I want to go back to some family dynamic stuff again. And I'm curious if there are things about working with family that you find to be really beneficial 
or special? Like, so for people who are considering, you know, working with family or for people who are thinking, you know, oh, maybe I should start that business with my best friend. Are there things about working with people that you are so close with that you find to just be really special and that you just don't get when you're hiring people that you've never met before? A few things come to mind. One would be trust. And, you know, my daughter was our general manager before they have two kids now, so she's not active in the, in the business my seller is, but to set all that up and to run all the systems and to set up all the private things we do, like one password in the bank, account, you know, everything, the trust factor is enormous. So it's less hands-on. And then on the total opposite of the spectrum down the road, how cool is it if you do it right to set up generational wealth? Like if you do it right, you have the ability to set up generational wealth. Like you're changing, you're the stopping point of, of perhaps something that never happened before in the family and you can change that forever. That's just a cool thought. And, and for me anyway. Yeah. And, and I would build on that, like as a, as a child of a family business owner, you know, one of the things that I really love is that I got opportunities that I probably wouldn't have gotten at any other company because of that trust factor, right? Because my dad really saw this as both a way to grow the family, but also to invest in me. So he allowed me to do things that he maybe wouldn't have, uh, you know, a stranger would probably have not hired me to do. And so that was really beneficial. uh, I would say on my end of the spectrum, hopefully he thought it was beneficial to the company and to him too. But, you know, he really always talked about how much he loved watching us grow and, you know, to be able to give us opportunities to try new things and, um, and to do that. So those are kind of like special things that you really only get when you're when you're invested in the person and the business, I guess. No, I, I would agree. But I would add, and, it's, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this. You were given that opportunity, but you had to step up and you did clearly. So to the opposite, what if you gave a family member something and they just didn't, if they didn't step up, you know, they wouldn't progress, right? That, at least that's my opinion. I'd love to hear yours. Yeah, completely. And I think that that is really important. And those are hard conversations to have, which is why I think so many people avoid working with family or close friends, because they don't want to have to have those difficult conversations when it doesn't work out. And they don't want to lose a friendship or lose a family relationship or have it always be forever awkward. And, you know, actually, I, I did even mention this in the beginning, but my husband also worked for my family up until recently. He worked for them for eight years and then finally decided he was ready for a, a career change. And there were tough moments, right? And it's hard when that bleeds into family dynamics and it gets frustrating. But I also think that that's kind of the case with family in general. Like, like life is also just hard. Relationships are hard. And when you set up good values, like you talked about, and you set up good expectations, clear expectations, and you have constant conversation, then you can navigate those challenging moments. And it doesn't have to be a big surprise of, you know, you failed at this opportunity and you're fired because most people, you know, they know when they're not doing well and they don't want to be in a position where they don't feel good. And they don't want to look, at least I didn't ever want to look like I was getting special treatment for being the, the owner's daughter. Like that didn't feel good to me. I wanted to be, you know, tested, but I also wanted to rise to the, to the occasion. And if I couldn't do that job, then I'd rather be in a job that I could do. No, it does. Whether it's family or not, two things come to mind when you were saying that, whether it's family or not, uh, you, the growth of the company, or if it's a bigger company, the growth of your department is going to be limited by the leader, by you, if you're a leader, meaning it can't outgrow you. That's a scary thought for some people. And it was a scary thought for, for us as we started to develop thinking, hmm, 
could I be the, the cog in the wheel? I, could I slow us down? And the only, the only answer to not have that happen is to constantly be looking ahead six months, nine months, 12 months to say, all right, what area do I have to focus on for this next year or this next quarter or this next trimester in our case, so that I don't hold the company back. And if you're constantly thinking like that as a leader, family or not, you're, you're going to always propel the company and yourself forward. And I think the beginning of what you said, the open communication, that's something that was totally new to us. We learned it through the group we're with that teaches businesses how to scale, but they exposed us to people like with the multipliers, uh, the woman that wrote the multipliers, and people like the table group, all about communication. And to your point, that's family too, not just business. So have you taken some of the practices and the things that you've learned from business into your personal relationships? Like, have you found that your communication has gotten better with other family members who maybe you don't work with? I'm curious if kind of because these two things have been closely linked, if you're finding it to be mutually beneficial in other spaces. Yeah, I do directly. So I mentioned table group. It's the, I'm trying to think of the gentleman's name. He writes all parables and it's called, if you look up table group, awesome writer, but all his communication books. Yes, it can't, you can't read that and study that and not bleed off into other relationships. And the other book that I went to recently that I definitely think is directly related to personal businesses called Radical Candor. I don't know if you've read that. Oh, yes. It's a great one. So the, these things do, if you, if you allow them to, do bleed off into other areas of your life. It should if it's becoming part of you. So what advice would you give to a manager who is thinking about either hiring a friend or who is uh, you know, hiring a family member or wants to start a business that maybe they want to do it with their partner? Do you have any advice for people who are kind of just starting out to set up those relationships successfully? Well, I have two things that, that come to mind. Knee-jerk reaction would be one, whatever you're trying to do, the, both the niche and the stage you're at. So let's just say it's you picked a niche and then you want to hire a friend or you want to hire a family member. Those two things, whatever you're trying to do, have already been done. Like success leaves clues. The internet's awesome now. You can find someone that did that. My first suggestion is go find that person or, that, or whatever they have online and learn from their experience. Don't try to reinvent the wheel. Quick story having to do with this. NBA personal performance coach. He works with individuals. His name is David Nurse. He was on our show. And he said, yeah, all I do is I take the individual and I say, okay, what is the one thing that we want to accomplish next year? Now let's go find someone that did that already and model after it. Like, so that's the same thing you, as you just asked. Go find that and model after it. And then secondly, I would suggest, strongly suggest you early on attach yourself or your business plan or your company, whatever you're working at the time, what stage, to some values. So that when you're hiring, it's not, are they my friend? Are they family? No, no. Do they fit the value? So we can go ahead and start building this thing in unison. So that is great advice. And I, I totally echo both of those. I would add one other, which is, we already talked about it, to set clear expectations and mm -hmm. to know kind of how are you going in this and stay in that constant communication. But beyond that, I'm wondering if there are any other tips that you have for how to build a team where you have different varying degrees of relationships with people. So, you know, if you have a close relationship with a team member, whether they're your family or not, and then you have other team members who are newer or who maybe you just don't connect to as well on a personal level, are there things that you have done to kind of help foster that team connection that others can learn from? Yeah, a couple of things. We've been open as we bring on new people. We've been very open to bringing them to the, the, so for example, the weekly and the monthly meetings, 
and I was not holding anything back. I can remember last December, two new employees were started, and this is before COVID. So they flew into our offsite, and to them, it was like a drink with a fire hose. But they also look back at that going, wow, that was so helpful and so nice of you guys to let me see all that, right, you know, at the very beginning. And the second thing is, is bring them into any of that training I alluded to. You know, for us, it's it's a group called the Elite Entrepreneurs and so we, now that it's, you don't have to get on a plane, it's virtual. We have them walking through some of the, the virtual training events that are usually two and three day events out of state. Instead of dragging them on a plane, we have them sit through some of the sessions and A, they like being included and B, it's empowering the team and the leaders within the team to, to work in unison again. Awesome. And okay, this might be a silly question, but do your kids call you by your first name or do they call you dad? Like, how do you, this is, I asked this from a personal level too, because it's kind of funny. I, I feel weird calling my dad by his first name, but in a business setting, I feel like it's appropriate. So what do your kids call you? Yeah. My son-in-law does call me by my first name. My uh, daughter and son would, will just say dad or my dad. And does that, I'm curious how that goes over in your team meetings. Oh, they, they, because we're so family, they all get it. I look, I'm not in their head. I never asked enough questions. It's a good question, <laughs> but I, but I'm sure it, it's more personal. All right. So we are coming to the end of our time here. And I am curious, of course, as always, because the show is called the modern manager to hear about a great manager that you worked for and what made this person so fantastic. You know, this is probably not going to be the answer you want, but I, because I grew up in a family company and then from there went and started my own company, I never really worked for anyone outside of that. And so I would say that at my earlier years, it was uh, being in college, coming home, coming out of college and working every free minute I had and having my father as kind of the, the manager slash leader inspirer outside of being my father. And I'd leave there always inspired and always encouraged to, to do whatever we were doing next. So I, I, I'd have to say him because I didn't have the other experiences. That's so nice though. Like what a great honor to bestow upon your father as somebody who really left you feel like inspired and motivated and challenged to go out and like build your great thing. That's awesome. And where can people learn more about you and your work? Uh, they can go to smartrealestatecoach.com. We also have the podcast, smartrealestatecoachpodcast.com. There's all kinds of free stuff there. I'm big on free because if, if people want to delve into what we do, then go ahead and do it for free on the internet or anywhere else that we are. We're all over social media. Again, just look at Smart Real Estate Coach. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today. It was really fun to dive into the dynamics of family business and get to share a little bit about my story and learn a little bit more about yours. It was awesome. I appreciate it. A lot of your questions were spot on and they don't get asked because more in the trenches and I appreciate it. Chris has provided a ton of free content to people interested in real estate investing. So check out the show notes. And if you subscribe to my newsletter, check out the email for all of those links. But for members of the Modern Manager community, I have put together a special episode guide to help you think through and navigate some of the complexities of working with family or close friends. To get that guide, become a member by going to themodernmanager.com slash join. And as a reminder, if you do that before December 31st, 2020, you get one month of membership to give away for free. That is my holiday gift to you. All the links are in the show notes and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to that newsletter I mentioned, which is at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, 
visit Meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.